0: Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. Uh, we, we once again um, recognize our dependence upon you to understand your word fully and to, um, to glean from it what you would have us glean. And we pray that you would, uh, by your spirit, make us wise and discerning and receptive to what you would teach us this morning about the Ark of the Covenant. I pray that Christ would be glorified uh, among us this morning, and that we would love him more, having spent time on this passage this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in Exodus, chapter 25, starting in verse 10. And last week we began... um, we began our snooping into God's conversation with Moses about the building of the tabernacle. Uh, What was the tabernacle? Do you remember how we we described that? What was it? A
1: dwelling place among the
0: people. A dwelling place among the people. It was a temporary tabernacle, a temporary temple.
1: Temporary
0: temple. Uh, It was portable. What's that? well, there, there, there's some of that that we talked about. Um, and then we saw that God first calls for a voluntary contribution of precise materials for the structure to be built according to his precise plan, right? To the, to the heavenly picture we discussed last week. So let's look at where he goes next in, uh, in verse 10, chapter 25. They shall make an ark of acacia wood, two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, inside and outside you shall uh, overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them on its four feet two rings on the one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark that shall not be taken from it. And you shall put it into the ark the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work shall you make them, on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end, and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherub, the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, That are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So, the first step in constructing the tabernacle is to start with a box and to overlay it with pure gold, he says. What does that tell you about the box? It's heavy? Uh, it's, important. it's important. Why would you say that? One
1: gold.
0: Okay. Remember verses 1 through 9, the request for a contribution. He lists precious metals in order of their value and in order, as we'll see going through this, of their proximity to the Holy of Holies. This one is overlaid, covered completely with fine gold. Acacia wood, was that a rare wood? We talked about that last week. Is that rare or is that something pretty common? So you take something very common that's all over the place and you overlay it with something very precious, pure gold. And you make a box. This is the first object to be built for the tabernacle and it's the most important one. This is the Ark of the Covenant and it will be the very center of worship for the Israelites. It will stand prominently and centrally in the holy of holies. Uh, Just for the sake of a visual, uh, a a cubit is about 18 inches. Uh, Deuteronomy 3, I think, talks defines a cubit as the length of a forearm. So, if we're talking about, uh, hello, how are you? Doing well, thank you. If we're talking about two cubits, that's two, and add a half, right? maybe a little bit shorter than the piano, in length. And then one cubit, be a little bit, you know, one and a half, a little bit longer than that. So it's not a huge box. It's not a big, impressive, grand thing. It's kind of a, kind of just a small box. But he does something to it. Why does he, say, put four rings on it? What's the point of that? Where do these rings go?
1: Each corner so they can slide holes through and carry it so they don't have to touch it.
0: OK. He says, put it on the feet. Why would this box have feet? It
1: can't touch the ground.
0: So two things it can't touch, the ground and men. Um what does this convey? What is this saying? By its very construction, it does not touch the ground, it's and content. you're not to touch it. You're only to touch the poles that are that are to remain on it forever. It's holy and separate. It's holy and separate. <coughs> Say it again. Consecrated. It's consecrated. It's set apart. Do you remember the story of Uzzah? David. Uh, Wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. It had been um, at, in in Shiloh at the house of Ab- Ab- Abinadab for a while, and he wanted to bring it back to Jerusalem. And so he he goes out there, and all this fanfare. They get a, a cart with some oxen. And they put they put the Ark on the back of the cart, and they're going along the road because you know y- you move a little faster in a cart than you would having a bunch of guys walking. So they're, they're trucking along, and David's celebrating. Everybody's celebrating. You woohoo! We got the ark. You know, it's going back into Jerusalem, and the ox stumbles. It says, and Uzzah, who is the son of Abinadab, who has been housing the ark, taking care of it at his own place, um, does what's natural. We we uh, we spent all day yesterday moving round bales of hay for 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 the goats. And uh, the guy that we got the hay from has a tractor. And he had a back-end loader thing for the, for, to put the bale on. You stab it in. And you back, we had him back in. I was going to back up for you. We were backing <laughs> up the, the ramps to get on the back of the deal. And, and the, it's a little dicey. And I'm standing right there. Goes, okay, come on. You know, and it shifts like this. Like the, 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 the ramp kind of shifts. My natural response is to hold the hay that's 2,000 pounds attached <laughs> to a tractor that's probably much more than that. And we won't even think of it. I'm going to hold it up.
1: <laughs>
0: that's my natural response. And, and, and Tammy was happy that I did that. Um, and on to me, you're an idiot. What, would you, what are you doing? You're not going to hold this thing. Well, thankfully, it straightened up. And so Dad and I had to talk. Let's not do that again. So that's a natural reaction. To, and, and that's what Uzza had, just a natural reaction. What happened? He died. he died. Was he malicious in touching the Ark? Did he, didn't he do it out of a sense of wanting to protect it? <coughs> um, I heard R.C. Sproul teach on, this, on that story one time. And, and he said, and, I, and I, won't, I won't quote it directly, but just to paraphrase, he, he said that it would have been better for the Ark to touch the dirt. Because at least the dirt is doing what it's created to do. The depth of our depravity, of our sin, is such that to be in contact with a holy God, immediately that's that's defiling it. It would have been better for it to touch the dirt. So the ark has feet to keep it off the ground, but even longer poles (laughs) for men to carry it out of necessity. It's very special, very set apart, um, but God provides. He still provided the poles by which the ark may be carried. What's so special about the ark? What's in it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Aaron's rod, yeah. Aaron's rod, the what do we hear from here? What, what, you said the tablet. The testimony. the testimony. Now, what do you think that is, the testimony? What's that referring to? To what is that referring to? The Ten Commandments, and we learn later it's two tablets of the testimony written by the finger of God. When we talked about the Ten Commandments, we also said that the word for commandments in Hebrew also can be other things. What do we say? It's also the ten ten words or ten testimonies. Testimonies to what? The character and nature of God, yes. So you have here um, a very special set apart, overlaid in pure gold, gold, valuable box. And inside uh, rests the record, the testimony of God to his own nature inside this plain wood box overlaid with something very precious. OK? Why were there two in this box? Two tablets. Why were there two? we talked a little bit about how treaties were done in he the said middle east that was, uh, representative of one copy
1: for us one copy
0: for the, he, the, the people were cc'd on the copy of the covenant they they had two <laughs> they had two copies each tablet containing the full covenant and uh, some of the archaeological studies um, of <coughs> other suzerain treaties or a great king and a conquered people th- those kinds of treaties uh, they have the 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 copies of those covenants uh, were in each country, among each of the separate people that were involved. And they're usually put in a sanctuary, a holy place. My covenant with this tribe is here before my God in this sanctuary. And then over here, the subject people, our covenant with the great king is in our uh, uh, our, our sanctuary. I had to make sure what voice that was. I'm going to reassess how we learn the will of God. But, um, so, so you have, you have uh, in, in both places a holy place being um, the, the resting place for the covenant. What's unique here? They're together. Because the holy place for the great king and the holy place for the subject people is the same place. God is a covenant. God is a testimony. God is the oath by which it is made. It's all right there. Thank you. Awesome. Hannah with the wind. Uh, all right. What's next about this box? How is it covered? Gold, and there's something on top of it, the mercy seat, you say. He's instructed to build a cover out of gold for the ark. The width and length are the exact size of the ark. It's the same. It's going to cover it exactly, right? There's no gap. It's to be made uh, to fit perfectly. Uh, there's stuff on top of it. What, what, what's on top? Cherubim. Cherubim. Now, are these the babies? With the little harps and the little wings? Well, the lion-shaped cherubim. That's speculation. Well, Ezekiel, we, we could probably get a better description if we looked at Ezekiel 1 through 10, but we won't do that this morning. How did they know what to create? How yeah. did they know what to design? Those cherubim like? Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know. Uh, it could be uh, the visions that God gave Moses on the mountain, what they were to be. We're just not given that exact. My oh, that's.
1: what does it say anything about the feet?
0: The feet? Just in discussion Verse 12. 12. Verse 12. Put them on the four feet.
1: Yeah. Put
0: them on the four feet. Uh, what does yours say? Mine says four corners. There we go. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that may be why the study Bibles have it uh, have it uh, cattywampified. But, yes, the Hebrew has it at its feet. And the, ES, the ESV got that right, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, that—that that, I would be counting together. You know, you want to you want to have a rhythm down on that one, and watch out for hilly ground. Um, so we had this we had this lid with cherubs on it. What what is the description of these a- angelic like creatures? They have wings. They've got wings. Okay. And they, ha- and they have faces. And, and what are they doing with the wings and what are they doing with the faces?
1: They're facing each
0: other. Facing each other. The wings are touching. So it's, they're surrounding something with their wings. And, and what are the wings doing other than covering. facing? They're covering, and then what, which way are they going? It says something about the direction of these wings. They're across the whole thing. That's true. Well, they're, they're overshadowing. It says something's very specific. They're so above. It says they're
1: facing facing the are toward each other. So spread
0: upward. Upward. Thank you. Upward. Yes. They're fa- they're spread upward. What does that show? If they're spread upward, if they're facing, if they're if they're. There you you can be all right. You sure? The cherubim shall spread out their wings, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces to one another toward the mercy seat. shall the faces of the cherubim be, and you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. Let's see. I, I saw where it says uh, the cherubim shall spread out their wings above. Above. I thought that meant above. Yeah, I think, I think that, uh, yeah, the language there, I think, should be upward. Um, the, the idea here is that the wings are holding something up that, the, that the, the angels are upholding something. They're raising their wings uh, skyward, and it symbolizes that they bear the throne of God. And their downcast faces, they're looking down, show that even they may not gaze upon God in his majesty and glory. Um, that, that's not pulled out of thin air, that, uh, that it, on top of the Ark of the Covenant is the throne of God, a representation of the throne of God. Um, Psalm 80, verse 1 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Um, another place, uh, Hezekiah, you remember, was struck. Oh, God says you're going to die. That's HCSB, in case you're, you're going to die. Um, his prayer When he is told that he's going to die he says "O lord of hosts god of israel enthroned above the cherubim you who are the god you are the god you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth you have made heaven and earth why would he appeal to god who is enthroned above the cherubim if he's about to die he's what that's the mercy mercy seat seat. i don't want to die have mercy (laughs) right you're enthroned on the mercy seat. Let's let's pay attention to that. You know, let's let's focus in on that. Um, the noun that's used to describe the lid the, comes from a root word that means to make atonement. Does that does that sound uh, unusual? I
1: mean,
0: right. So here we have. Uh, a, a, a box which is common wood overlaid with something precious and on top of it, inside of it sits the covenant, the testimony of the nature of God and, and on the lid is the throne of God that's called of all things, not the judgment seat, the mercy seat. Um, the older Greek translation uh, translated the word for, for cover here as an instrument of propitiation. The place of atonement, or as, as we see in, in at least the ESV, says mercy seat. And you see this being particularly displayed on the day of atonement, right? We're going to, one fine morning, uh, whenever we get to Leviticus 16, uh, we'll go through the day of atonement. And you'll see how the mercy seat plays a central part one day a year for the high priest to go in and, and, and with the sacrificial blood, sprinkle it on the mercy seat uh, as, a, as atonement for the people.
1: The mercy that they have, other than
0: Isaac and yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't want to say uh, certainly that there, that there wasn't, but I mean, I, I seem to remember there being appeals to God's mercy by Jacob, especially, um, but I can't remember there being a mercy seat, a, a visual representation of that. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah? Yeah he did. I don't know what we make of that, but, but yeah. He's. Um so that's the that's that's the ark. Yay. Um <laughs> ma- many centuries later, something very precious would be laid upon a common wood. Turn to Romans three, twenty one through twenty
1: five.
0: Romans chapter three, starting in verse twenty one. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. That word for propitiation in the Greek uh, is translated just about everywhere else as mercy seat. What Paul is doing, he's importing in the Exodus tabernacle and showing that Christ is God's mercy seat. He is exclusive. God retains the exclusivity of the Day of Atonement. A saving encounter with God, the partaking of his mercy, is only possible through the means that God himself Provides. What does propitiation mean? It's a big $10 word. What does that mean?
1: What
0: A wrath satisfier. I'm listening. I'm hearing definitions being thrown around. A wrath satisfier. Or something similar. Rem- the aversion of God's punitive wrath is how the smart folks define it. The aversion of wrath. The aversion of God's punitive wrath. Not all of God's wrath. This the expiation. When we say expiation, what is that? The removal of, <laughs> of, of? Well, sin. Filthiness, yes. Of sin. This word that is used for propitiation here in the ESV, um, actually, uh, some of your translations may have atonement there. God put forward as an atonement. It includes both propitiation and expiation, the aversion of God's wrath and the removal of sin. It includes both. Notice um, that it says Christ, he was put forward as a propitiation or a mercy seat. Why wouldn't he say thee? or some exclusive? Why would he say A? What's he got in mind? If he had said the mercy seat, what would that have done to the ark we just discussed? Legitimate or illegitimate? Illegitimate. Illegitimate. And yet Christ is God's mercy seat. So what does that tell us about this ark? It's a type, it's a shadow whose fulfillment is the man God put forward, his son, as a propitiation for us. In declaring Christ to be God's mercy seat, Paul shows that Christ is the fulfillment of the promise of the original ark and so much greater. Hebrews 7, 27, he, Jesus, has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Hebrews 9, 12. He, Jesus, entered one once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal and eternal redemption. Thus securing an eternal redemption. Hebrews 10, 10. And by that... We will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He died once and for all of his people, never to die again. He doesn't need to. What was the last statement he made? It is finished. What's the last pronouncement he made? (laughs) It is finished. The last statement, I guess, would be, into your hands I commit my spirit. So, Yes, the last pronouncement is, it is finished. And then what did he do? What does it say in Hebrews that he did? He breathed his last, he breathed his last and the Hebrew says, gave up,
1: gave
0: up his and then what? He- think heaven. What did he do? Gosh, I hope this worked. Man, it really would have been a waste of time if I'd been down there all this time, and this doesn't work. I, I-, I hope this works. What did he do? Did he pace? He sat down, showing, signifying, it's done, it's completed, it's secure. Unlike the ark given to Moses, we do not carry him. He carries us. Unlike the ark that killed Uzzah, Christ said to Thomas and the disciples, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Touch me, he says. Feel the scars that I have borne for mercy. What was in the ark again? The thing referenced in this passage. What was it again? The testimony testimony of the very nature of God. Yes? Yes. Who he is, what he's revealed about himself. That was placed in the ark, and above them, covering them, blocking access to them, is the mercy seat. How do you get to who God is? Through mercy, not a secret knowledge. Not some uh, achievement of um, scholastic ability, although that's awesome. Uh, You get there through mercy, right? Do we hold him as the most worthy, greater than fine gold? Does he have the place of highest worth to us? Do we love the testimony of who he is? Do we love his nature? Do we love what he loves? Whom he loves? Who he loves? Whom he loves? Who he loves? Who? 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 He loves okay. whom? Okay. Don't get all awe on me, all right, people? <laughs> whom he, whom? It's, whom he loves, he loves, loves whom? whom? Yes, it's the object, I tell you. <laughs> whom he loves? Who does he love? Whom does he love? Whom does he love?
1: You're moving on. Yes.
0: We have parts, and in in, in, in in English we have parts of speech, and I get them confused. It should be the direct object whom, not the nominative pronoun. Who. All
1: right.
0: You don't have that problem. I've noticed. Christ loves his people. Yes? Yeah. What does 1 John, thank you, Colby. What does 1 John say? If you don't love your brother, the love of God is not in you. How, we know, how do we know that we've received mercy? By the love we have for Christ, the faith that we have in Christ, confessing that he is the son, 1 John says, and the love we have for his people. He says it again. And again, 1 John really could be condensed down to two sentences, but John just really expounds on the whole thing. Confess Christ as the Son of God, love his people. That's how you know. And you get there through mercy. If you love me, reflect the testimony, reflect my nature. What does he say? If you love me, obey my commandments. Go to the mercy seat. (coughs) Then live to reflect the one who gives mercy. All right. Any any questions on that? Any comments? Yes, sir.
1: Um, Speaking of the mercy seat with the cherubim, uh, you also see in Isaiah 6 when Isaiah had his vision, Mm -hmm. the seraphim flying out. The 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 seraphim. mercy uh mercy
0: Yeah, it's a neat picture. So,
1: what are
0: you <laughs> 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 so you're saying, even the resurrection, there's a picture of the mercy seat being Paul, Christ. Paul
1: pointed out
0: in yeah. 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 I don't. Yeah, I'm just clicking through Acts. I didn't remember Paul, the puzzle point. <laughs> um, good. Good. Anything else?
1: So I tend to think that that verse is wrong, and it said it should be the propitiation. Mm-hmm. But as I'm I'm thinking with what you said, it is a propitiation mm-hmm. because all the people pre Christ, how were they saved? Yeah, it was through Yom Kippur, the sprinkling mm-hmm. of the blood mm-hmm. yearly to get up to the point of Christ. Right. It's still Christ, but at that time it was that mercy seat.
0: And link with that. Um, what person of the trinity with with what person of the trinity are they dealing here Um, the the, the, the theophanies that we've seen in exodus and are going to continue to see as the glory descends upon the mercy seat Um, John points to uh, the Isaiah vision in Isaiah 6 as the, as Jehovah is Christ. Right? He, and that was Christ there that, that Isaiah saw on in the throne room. And, and the idea is that all of the um, manifestations of God are the Son who's there. Right. He's the agent of creation. He is the, the cloud by... Day and the, the pillar by night. Um, and so y- it's still Christ, I guess is the argument I'm making.
1: The propitiation is Christ throughout all of Scripture, but right. Christ is a type as the mercy seat in the Old Testament. Right. He is the man that died on the cross. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So I, it, it's all Him. It's just what what is concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in the New. Mark Dever would say, promises made, promises kept. Which I, I love that.
1: How do they talk about it in uh, covenant theology? There's the, the subject of their uh, their faith and then the uh, like the carrying out of it. The
0: which covenant theologian are you referring to? Um, <coughs> to which covenant theologian are you referring to? <laughs> Because there are different ways of describing it, and, and they would all be considered covenant guys. Right. So, kinda, the,
1: uh, so the, the subject of, of our faith is Christ. It's always been Christ. Right. Yeah.
0: Different. Yeah. There's technical terms for it. Sure, there's technical. Yeah. There are lots of lots of ways to describe stuff through the years. They they're, And and are they're, and they're, and, they're, and they're paid for that stuff. Yeah. All right. What uh, what else? What anybody else have any other comments? Yes, ma'am. No, that's great. Colossians is a great place to go, precisely. And and in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The full nature, the full representation, the full character of God is pleased to dwell. And that's the picture you have in the ark. Um, But you don't get there. It's a gift. We don't work for it, or else it's wages, Paul would say later in Romans. Um, So yeah, good.
1: Sure. I just keep thinking about that
0: connection. When you have covering, you have a picture of mercy. Right. Yeah, very good. Very good. Anything else? All right, I'm pretty confident there's still coffee in the fellowship hall. So we'll all make a beeline here in a second. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that mercy is revealed completely in Christ. that it is finished he's not wringing his hands over the mere possibility of salvation but he sits down because it's finished it's a done deal he has bought his people and you are drawing them to him and he will in no way cast them out why would he reject a gift of his father for the work that he has done on the cross so we thank you that your because of your great love you've raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places and so we ask that by your spirit you continue to draw us to him that you compel us and cause us and incline our hearts to reflect who you are in every area leave no stone unturned in us we would We want to be perfect mirrors of who He is because He reflects the nature of God. He is the nature of God. Help us to do that on this earth. that that The testimony of who God is would not be um, tucked away in a box, but it would be spread by the reflection of that testimony in His people. Give us boldness. Give us clarity of thought. And grant that those who do not know you now would come to know you by that testimony. Because of the grace of Christ that rests not in a tent somewhere, but upon his people ever present. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.